Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Anne Lancaster. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. In this week's episode, we hear from our new contemplatives. The New Contemplatives Initiative is a container of vocational support and development opportunities for emerging spiritual companions in their first half of life. New Contemplatives enrich the SDI community with new forms and paradigms of spiritual care, bringing their voices to the center of the organization and to the broader field of spiritual companionship. Together, we work to weave a web of intergenerational wisdom and practice and to seek answers to What is spiritual companionship for our times? This session was recorded during our Renaissance 2021 conference from April of this year and features the voices of our program leader, Lizzie Salsik, and her group of new contemplatives, Ufra Mir, Sunyata Kopriva, Nathan Betger, Mason Chan, and Sarah Zaltash. This episode is a continuation from last week, so please have a listen to part one to put things in context. feeling inspired and energized listening to all these pathway uh, all these ways of of res- meeting meeting what this world um where we are in this world right now that those calls so i wonder if sarah you might take us into some practice now um before we move towards the towards the other yes, uh, yes. Side of the hill. interestingly something an elder from a movement that I have been involved with came to mind earlier today. And I wasn't planning on sharing their piece, but I will, as I lead us into this um, practice of sharing voice. Um, The elder is a woman called April Grief Song, and she is one of the founders of Extinction Rebellion. She held a position that's called guardianship and created the guardianship circles, which are an incredible bastion of sacred activism in the UK and Europe. And um, in one of the very profound moments of the first Extinction Rebellion in April of 2019, we are currently, actually I would say, oh my goodness, realizing now that this is the two year anniversary of this song that I'm about to share with you. She sang a grief song and led a procession of about 2000 people, 2000 rebels through the streets of central London as this iconic pink boat that had been the center of Extinction Rebellion's occupation of Oxford Circus was taken away by the police, was processed away by a couple of hundred police people in fluorescent yellow jackets. And April led the rebels in a funeral march for this boat. And it was one of the most incredible, spontaneous spiritual outpourings I've ever seen. I mean, there might be festivals in other countries, sacred rites that happen every year, but this was something that really rose from the moment, a lament that was nature calling out to itself. And I feel to honor this elder, to honor that moment and to honor the history that we write together as we weave justice and we weave mysticism and we allow it to be woven through our bodies here into this time now. Perhaps this will be the only practice I share. So if you feel to join in um, as we memorialize this moment, please do. The sound, the song is wordless. And I remember April with this. Thank you, April. Thank you for, thank you for everything that you brought to us. Thank you. 
saying, Sarah, she's Scottish, she's from Glasgow, I can't do her accent, saying, Sarah, don't use up all the time singing my old song. So thank you if you did sing this and remembered April's incredible contribution and leadership. I want to share the piece that we were gonna share and the people who um, came on to the Sacred Voice workshops that I held on Wednesday and Friday morning will have actually, if you just came up to this today, you would have experienced this. And this is an opportunity for us to enable our voice to reach up and out from our bodies as song. We're so used to using our voices to wiggling our jaws in order to speak and to discourse. And in fact, Rudolf Steiner, somebody who I'm deeply influenced by says, let conversation become the new Eucharist. Let this be the way that we bless each other with our bodies. And I want to just grow that a piece and allow voice and song to be the way that we bless one another. So I'm going to start to say a phrase. It is a phrase that I adore. It's a phrase that I penned, ooh, possibly about uh, 11 years ago now. Uh, it's a phrase that really the emphasis can begin anywhere. The beginning moment of this is, is wherever you need it to be. And I will begin to just repeat this phrase over and over again. You might start to feel it as something like a mantra. I am not trained in the practice of mantra, so I wouldn't want to say that this is a mantra, but you might draw that comparison as we share this together. And as I repeat this and you begin to repeat it in your own space and time, I start to rock. I tend to rock anyway. You might start to rock back and forth too to hold that rhythm inside your body. This will begin to lift off up and out of me into song. And as my words begin to lift up and out of my body as song, I encourage you to allow those words to take flight from your body too. Let those words become birds that fly out of you as song. And as song will allow those words to cycle around a few times and I'll just feel into it. I'll feel you all over those other sides of the worlds that you are and we'll bring ourselves into this space of song and the space of offering that which comes from the body up into that transcendent space beyond. And then we'll bring that to a close. So the phrase is, I am waiting for them to know. I am waiting for them to know. Perhaps I'm waiting for them to know equality. Perhaps I'm waiting for them to know that we need to do our best to restore the ecosystems. Perhaps I am waiting for them to know that my gender is valid. Perhaps I am waiting for them to know that we have limits and limitations. Whatever we are waiting for them to know, we wait with humility, we wait with patience. I am waiting for them to know 
I am waiting for them to know. 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 I am waiting for them to know 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 I I'm waiting for them to know I I'm waiting for them to know I am 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 waiting for them to know I I'm waiting for them to know I am 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 waiting for them to know I I'm waiting for them to know I am waiting for them to know I am waiting for them to know. Just inviting the song to return to its home inside your body. Resting your body in the peace that you have created by raising your voice. and offering your thanks to all who receive your prayers as they lift up, up and out from you. Thank you, Sarah, for that moment of song and that tool for waiting. Well, it seems that there has, of course, been so much more to say than we, um, or than I, I should say, you all probably knew what was going to happen than I um, imagined. And I think what we'll do now so that we have time to hear from others um, is actually just go ahead and open it in this moment for, um, yeah, for um questions or responses that want to be shared from folks present. I know there are people here um, who are long in the practice or lineage of spiritual direction or companionship, and there are folks maybe new to this. There may be things that um, were spoken today that were deeply true and familiar to you, and there may have been things that were shared today that are um, like opening a new window of light in your mind or in your heart. And so I wonder if there are, um, if there are, have been any questions or responses that wanna be um, offered from the wider community. This is an opportunity to bring those forth now. Vanita, you have something that you'd like to, 
to ask. I really resonated with uh, what Nathan was talking about. I'm in my 60s. Um, I'm totally a child of the Enlightenment and uh, fundamentalist evangelicalism. Um, I've been Episcopalian for a number of years. I'm now a spiritual director, um, novelist. I teach writing and creativity workshops, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what he was saying about limits and the way we fight those things, and especially, Nathan, what you were saying about death, uh, we are still, especially I think my generation, we are still terrified of death. And um, I know that in my 40s, I went through a period where I would wake up in the middle of the night terrified that I would die. And there was no reason for that, except that it was just a fear. Um, I was in good health and all of that. But um, so I decided to spend a year leaning into the whole concept of death. What did that mean? Uh, you know, kind of preparing for my death, looking into things that I would need to have ready and all of that. Uh, reading things, well, such as the Dalai Lama's uh, book on death and dying and, and a number of things. Um, and because I'm a child of the Enlightenment, um, I really had to start first with my head, with the way I was thinking. Uh, and now I'm more prepared to go deeper. You know, as a spiritual director, of course, I've had to learn more about the entire soul, the depths of a person. But the way I, I had to battle that fear or lean into the fear was finally to say, and this became my mantra, and it's kind of funny to some people, but I'm totally serious. Um, I just got to where I would say on any given day, if the fear would come up, I'd say, this is as good a day to die as any. You know, this is a good day to die. And, and to get that more in my consciousness that, yeah, I'm going to die. Everybody I know is going to die. Uh, but I had to start with my head. Um, and then the other things uh, followed suit. Um, another thing that as a woman, um, uh, the limits put upon us as we age, we become more and more invisible, especially in Western culture, especially in US culture that puts so much emphasis on beauty and, um, and youth. Uh, and, you know, we all struggle with, as we grow older, we look in the mirror and we say, you are not the person I know. Uh, what happened to you? Um, and then it occurred to me one day that, you know what? I am put on this earth to be used up. By the time I die, I should just be a grease spot on the pavement. I should just so fully live my life that there's nothing left. There's absolutely nothing left. And that has given me so much liberation, realizing that I'm not here to preserve myself. You know, I'm not here to stay the same. I'm here to keep evolving and just use up every cell in my body, every part of my thinking, every bit of my love. It's here to be spent. We are here to spend ourselves without fear. Um, and that, you know, that has been a very liberating thing. That's not to say I don't still look in the mirror and frown at myself some days, but it's, uh, I think especially with, well, I shouldn't say especially with, everybody struggles with this. Uh, but, but the whole idea of limits, you know, we fight those limits, we fight change, we fight not being in control of our bodies, of our families, you know, a family member who is dying or, 
or it, in struggling in great ways, you know, needing to let go while still embracing. Um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful for all of you. I think, you know, you're all much younger than me, uh, these practitioners. And, and so I'm here to learn from you because um, I want to know how to speak to people of any age. Um, but also just to let you know, with people of a certain age, we're so tied into having a rational reason for things. It's very hard for us to just suddenly go into a mystical kind of space. We just, we're not conditioned for it, especially in Western culture. Uh, so sometimes you have to work around that a little bit, you know, do a an end run <laughs> around the rational processes to really get people to engage. But this whole thing about fear, uh, as, a, as a novelist, I teach people, you know, if you know your character's greatest fear and greatest desire, you don't need to know anything else. That will write the story. And that's certainly true of all of our stories as well. So thank you so much. I'm really enjoying listening to you all. Really appreciate that, Vanita. And I thank you for sharing your particular story of how you leaned into fear. And I think that there's really we are on the backs of such great traditions that have initiatory experiences into fear that we've lost and, or that are, are quiet or that need more attention. Um, I work with kids as young as five, and I can say that the children in a psychological, spiritual sense are so emotionally dysregulated. We, they do not know. And yet their capability of being able to tap into the depth is, is really admirable, but they don't have these initiatory experiences to work through the fear, the overwhelm, the limits. Um, I, I appreciate the, the specifics of how you share. Um, yeah. That we well, and, and, you know, a lot of this has to do with community. Yes. You know, we don't gather in the home of a dead person anymore and all sit with the body. We, it all gets handled by a funeral home. Um, and there are just so many things community can teach us. Uh, plus, it's community is intergenerational. So you have elders, you have women who have been through a certain kind of thing before, you have men who have been through a certain, something before. And uh, if we can't stay in the same room, we can't learn from one another. Thank you, Vanita. Well, first, I love your reflection, Vanita. And what you were saying about being used up. Um, I, I almost feel like these cultural values that are basically on us all the time are one of my teachers calls them spells of the West. And I think there's so much importance in what we do um, as spiritual companions in countering um, those spells through language. I mean, language is what makes things reality oftentimes. I mean, some things can't be put into words granted, um, but to speak to the unknown, to speak to the limits, to speak to the mystery is something that we can do and learn to do with eloquence in a world where people mostly only speak to things that they claim to know a lot about and to be experts at. But what about speaking to the things um, that break us down? What about speaking to pain, things that make us uncomfortable? That's needed. 
Thank you, Nathan. Appreciating that a lot. How language, um, yeah, the power of language. Sarah, please, um, please share. And then Kat, we're gonna come to you. It was, um, as I was listening to Vinita speaking, there was a piece about the rational that really stuck, stuck in me, stuck in me like a, like I'd swallowed a piece of sawdust, I think. And I, and I, and I've sort of been, I'm just here with it in this moment. And I, and I want to say, Vinita, like, I want to hold you to a higher standard than this. You're asking the youngers to work around the thing that you have gotten stuck in that means that you're not able to experience mysticism? No, please show us everything that we can do to bring you into mysticism so that you can shed that conditioning. Don't have us dance around the thing that you're stuck in, come and be free. <laughs> it's just like, no, you know, come let us show you how to be free, but don't ask us to come and meet you where you're stuck, you know? And when I hear, um, when, well, yeah, when I heard that, that's what got stuck with me. I was like, oh, I can never meet you there, Vanita, but I really want to invite you to this place where community is, where mysticism is, where rationalism is just one of the tools in the box. And that was it. That's all I want to say. Well, I was simply saying that, saying that people uh, who are so conditioned by the Enlightenment, they have to start in the, they have to start in the mind. Uh, Sometimes that's where you have to start with it. It doesn't mean, I mean, I'm a mystic. I know that I am. Um, and I've, I learned that long ago as a child, but still there's conditioning that goes on that sometimes we have to be aware of. We do have to meet people where they are. We have to begin with them the way Jesus, you know, I'm a Jesus follower and Jesus went to where the people were and then he took them there and but they never stayed there, you know? So I'm just saying that's, it's not always the best place to start is in the mystical end of things for certain people. But I, I certainly hear what you say. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Join SDI for an eight-night, nine-day transformational journey to one of the most mystical places in the world, Iona, Scotland. Ritual, community worship, poetry, body prayer, meditation, journaling, music, and movement will be our tools to deeply listen to the voice of the great mystery. Led by retreat leader and Iona native, Reverend Simon DeVoyle, we will walk the landscape of Iona together as pilgrims, wandering to special places on the island to embrace the wilderness and to pray with nature. Learn more at sdicompanions.org. Kat, I'd love to hear what you have to, to bring to us or to ask of them. Um, I want to ask a question about straddling the, uh, the both ends of individual reflective practices such as meditation or uh you know journal writing or you know the things that you do in your in your room at home along with um that being the basis of finding out who you are and where your where your gift is to be poured out into the world which is the spirit the social action part and the changing the politics part I also see that the reflective practices are where we can break that sense of the world 
like stealing us from ourselves, you know, all of the conditioning, all of the brainwashing, all of the voices coming at us all the time to listen to something other than just other people talking. And okay, so there's there's the individual social action. I mean, I'm I'm well, I'm writing a book right now. And so this is what's going on is I'm trying to balance the you listen to the reflective practices so that you know what it is that you have to offer the world. And yet I also want to keep in the other both and which is that the more you're into the reflective practices, the more you don't know, you know, the sense that, I mean, for me, it's just brought a, you know, I don't, you know, people say to me, well, don't you believe in God anymore? I said, I don't know. I really hope so. But I'm not, I'm not, I would not live any differently if there is, or if there isn't. It's like, I want to, you know, like Vanita said, I want to be poured out in terms of helping all of this. So it's the question of, asking um you know the new contemplatives if how to straddle those two both ends of individual practice and as a way to find social action and to do it and then the idea that this also instead of those uh, uh reflective action reflective practice only being able to help reveal more about who you are you are in the world of also leading you into total i don't know thank you so much kat i wonder mesana i was thinking of your spirit and voice so please um thanks kat for your question um one thing that i would love to um add to your own ongoing conversation um is uh this wonderful concept that i learned actually from an sci uh, uh, seminar it was like a 10 week long seminar about women and spiritual direction and um one of them i can't remember her name she was such a beautiful soul but she uh she's sick uh s-i-k-h um and she introduced this concept of this uh in her language, uh, it's San, San Sepahi, which means uh, warrior saint. And the warrior saints in the Sikh tradition were uh, hugely revered and, and held a very prominent role in, uh, in their history. And, and But the concept is like the saint part of you is the part that understands the wholeness of everything and the unity and the existential oneness of all things. And the Sapahi part of you, the warrior part is the kind that like, no, my, 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 like, I'm not just going to be in my own little cell here praying, you know, and my own self-reflection. Like, it's like, I will fight for what needs to be fought for. Um, and so I, I think in a lot of, I actually do think that there are a lot of uh, in my circles, um, people who have left religion and, uh, there is actually a lot of desire for elders, um, especially white activists who are looking for white elders who have done anti-racism work, who can help them. And I, and that's why, so I say like for, uh, spiritual directors, white spiritual directors, your role is critical because there are so many white activists who are looking for white elder guides to lead them, not just cognitively through 
anti-racism, but spiritually through anti-racism to help them, you know, depoison themselves on a spiritual level. And so, um, and that balance, I think, is not there yet. Uh, and, and I think that that's a huge uh, place for, I think, white spiritual uh, directors to really step in. There's a real hunger for that. But, but that, that, that balance of both saint and warrior, um, that is a hard balance to strike. And it's not always struck. Uh, and I think that that's also one role that I think that spiritual directors um, can, can really play a fundamental role on. Thank you, Mason. I resonate so deeply with that. Um, I really resonate too. I used to, my, uh, part of my work used to be, I uh, worked at a sexual assault center. I was the executive director there for many years. And I was always getting yelled at by the um, louder social activists around women's uh, violence against women issues, saying that I'm not yelling at the cops enough because, um, well, they didn't and still don't treat women who have been assaulted with the kind of um, response that they need. Um, but then I was always being, but then I kept wanting to say, but like, wait a minute, all of these women aren't coming to the sexual assault center first. They're reporting to the cops. And like, if I don't talk to the cops and build some sort of a relationship, where I say something, they're not just going to roll their eyes and say, oh, yeah, that's Kat from the Sexual Assault Center. I mean, I know what she's going to say. You know, if if I didn't do that, well, then what would I be doing for the women involved? But it took a tremendous amount of maturity from me that I don't didn't always have to to deal with that anger and frustration of being in a room with um, the guys, usually, who had I you know I had known how they had treated some of the women and to be gentle and say you know no this is not you know this is not professional practice and having to talk about it in words that were important to them and it you know I instead I just wanted to start screaming at them about you know you jerks but that's it it's like how not to be angry but then also not take in the anger from your fellow activists that you're not being mean enough to the to the bad guys. And I, of course, I put those in quotes. Thank you for your question, Kat. And I think that it's there's breadcrumbs, right? I think from we're all going to have different perspectives on this, and you know, I get to I get to be the voice of Vajrayana here. And from a Vajrayana perspective, there's no cat. There's no society. There's no bookcase behind you. In and of itself, it is all a collective experience, like a book, right? If you start to take page after page after page out of a book, you no longer have a book that you would call a book. And so to see ourselves as just collective ingredients to a whole versus this is me, this is society, this is that can really start to tear down those walls of within the psyche of really false separation that really is the igniter and the, you know, Buddhist idea of, of the suffering. And so getting to the root of where do you really see yourself in your identity? Where do you really see society and its identity? You know, and if I had you in my therapy room, right? I'd say, okay. And what is, and we would walk through that separation, right? Back to 
back to the wholeness of energy and spirit because it's, and then the solutions become much different. The solutions that come from that place of collectiveness is very, very different and very simple. You know, everything becomes a way to activate compassion and service to ourselves and others. Thank you so much, Sunyata. Everything becomes an opportunity to practice compassion. Marjorie, I saw your hand up and I see Deb's hand up and I did see one question come into chat, but I, I don't know where, if we're going to get to all of it. Um, we're going to move towards close soon. And I want to see if you'd like to bring something forward still, Marjorie. So I was really uh, struck by uh, Mason's distress, can I call it, over um, some manifestations of, of uh, what, what you see when you're together with people who are very enthusiastic, very passionate um, about um, all, all things spiritual as if everything were good and you know, every form of self-induced trance is a good thing to explore or being invited to go into the black hole even if they're feeling anxious about it. And I, I guess I just want to say, um, I really hear that the word that came to me was ungrounded. And I, I want to affirm your sense of discomfort with that kind of ungroundedness. Um, I guess it reminds me a little bit of back in the 60s when people were exploring with all kinds of drugs and, you know, uh, alternate states of consciousness and just a lot of uh, strangeness uh, in, in that time. In one sense, a time of immense exploration and a sense of great possibility, um, but a lot of it deeply ungrounded and not particularly helpful and some of it quite destructive. So um, I, I think you've really put your hand, you, you put your finger on something when you talk about uh, lack of discernment. I heard you say that you are reclaiming something of your own Roman Catholic roots in a decolonized form. And I wondered if you are finding more groundedness for yourself in what is a great and, and old tradition that has a lot to offer, but but it does need to be decolonized and probably other things as well. So I'm wondering if you might be willing to say a little bit about uh, whether you're finding help um, in that direction. Uh, thank you, Marjorie. I love that question. Um, reconciling with my Catholic roots has been a huge part of my spiritual journey in the last two decades. Um, I used to loathe them. Uh, and then I came to a point where I, I realized, like, if I'm going to be walking around as a heel hold person, I can't hate any part of me. And that includes my roots. And what does that look like then to acknowledge that this is my uh, my heritage? Um, and I have been actively asking spirit to help me decolonize. Um, I don't know if we're going to have the time to do my, my practice, Leslie, but um, just uh, decolonizing the word Lord for me has been a, a site for me of much freedom. Uh, I used to loathe the Hail Mary uh, and uh, 
I live in Chicago and Lake Michigan, she helped me decolonize the Hail Mary. Um, uh, so it's it's been a point of deep healing. Um, and because of the roots, I'm actually entering these spaces of what you accurately say is ungroundedness um, with the roots so that I can kind of be a presence in this space because people are really looking. They're really looking. They're really looking for elders. They're really feeling like they're recreating wheels and they're in the wilderness and, and that kind of a thing. And they're not going to touch Christianity with a 10 foot pole. They're just not. Um, and so, uh, so I'm, I'm going into these spaces with the roots of Christianity, uh, but what I produce isn't necessarily Christian, you know, so like the, 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 the tree and the branches and everything has a very different look to it and it's still grounded. So it's, it's kind of like the foot in both worlds. Um, and it has been a long journey in the decolonization. Thank you. Thank you. We have a moment for one final, um, hopefully brief um, offering from Deb, but I, I see you and I wanna honor you. And I wanna say that after that, we're gonna move. Yeah, we're gonna move in towards our close. And I'm gonna invite the new contemplatives. We won't have time for the rest of our practices, but what I wanna invite is um, for the new contemplatives, to, if you want to, to feel welcome to enter your email address and or web, website, if people wanna get a hold of you or learn more. Mason has some wonderful guided audio meditations that have been deeply resourcing me personally um, in the, this week. And um, you can, you can uh, experience some of that gift there and, and others as well. Deb, please, uh, yeah. Thank you. Just very quickly, I'm feeling a lot of joy, but I wanted to um, have people, you know, the, the all of you young people riff a little bit off of, I have a lot of background with activism on water and energy issues. And two things, I'm finding that with the activist community I'm involved with, um, they are really not receptive to much that has spiritual language around it, unless it's indigenous. And I really respect that. So um, I'm finding you know, just to continue to build the relationships that has been challenging to find the opening. I'm really drawn to intergenerational work, um, particularly around activism and justice. So if anybody care to comment. My knee jerk would be find the opening in your connection through justice. Um, and uh, you're right. Uh, Christianity is pretty pathologized. Um, uh, among many circles uh, in, in the youth. And so um, ancestral work is really important. Also, like if you can dig into different types of ancestral healing, even in your own personal lineage and bring that into conversations. Um, but in the interest of time, I mean, that's a big conversation, but I would say like, like definitely activism and ancestral healing work and healing the lineage, um, I think would be a good place to start. This has been something that I have been with as somebody who's devout in many different traditions. It's Ramadan at the moment, so I'm wearing a hijab, but that's, that's definitely not the full story. Um, and the one of the first feet that I put forward in this conversation when people are enacting prejudice against my devotion is to show them that it is prejudice, is to hold that quite harsh mirror up 
because I think that people involved with activism are, are ones who regularly hold harsh mirrors up to the world. And so they appreciate it actually. It kind of stings and then they're like, dang, I'm bringing a bunch of bias in here and I'm not taking this person for who they are and what they're really bringing. And it needs that snap, I think. Um, and then people start to open up and they start to say, okay, then lady, what do you have to offer to me that, that's so important to you? And then you can find some inroads in with the core of actually what you're offering to them, which often has so little to do with doctrine and is really just about listening and compassion. I also recognize that not everyone is welcome to everywhere. And I'm, you know, I think we, part of being a community is how, where are our, our allies? Where are the people that can speak the language or are part of the culture or are, um, are welcomed into spaces that um, are, are looking for, for different wisdom? So they may not want you, Deb. And I wonder if we could collaborate and see if there's a possibility for me to pass on your wisdom or they saw him to pass on your wisdom or beloved Sarah or Nathan. I mean, I think there's, we're not meant to do this on an individual level. Very helpful, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. And thank you, everyone. <sighs> I'm feeling the richness of this conversation and um, the deep intergenerational weaving that this has been and what a gift that is, because that is the purpose of the new contemplatives here within SDI um, is to provide a space for these conversations to happen and for this level of collaboration to at least be um, fertilized. So thank you all so much. Um, if you want to know more about the New Contemplatives program or support the New Contemplatives program, um, you can email me, um, Lizzie S at sdiworld.org. Um, you are so welcome to reach out to me, or of course, if you have feedback on the session, I welcome that as well. Towards I'm gonna jump in that moment, Lizzie, and just say and presence you, because you are just the spine around which the body of new contemplatives forms. We would be nowhere without you. You've held us through this pandemic. You've held us across continents, time zones. You are such an incredible priestess in this work, and I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I received that so deeply and so meaningful. Oh, and I want to say thank you to um, SDI and the support that we get internally as well. And for everyone that's making this conference possible. Um, and for all of you who are present, um, all of you who do the work of spiritual companioning and of eldering, thank you so much. Thank you to, to the awesome staff and leadership at SDI. We're grateful. The same song that we sang at the beginning, and this time maybe you will uh, recognize it a little bit enough to sing along. Um, I invite you to receive or sing this song with an attunement to that which binds you here in this space, to that which has been woven in you in this connection, to that which brings you into that tapestry of the greater web of life. And so, with this, we um, we make this our final offering, and I say thank you. We are weaving our lives right here. We are weaving our hearts and our minds. We are weaving the bright and dark threads of our journeys through. We are weaving our 
right now. We are weaving a blanket of light. We are weaving a basket to hold all that's true. We are weaving our lives. We are weaving our hearts and our minds. We are weaving the bright and dark threads of our journeys through. We are weaving our lives. We are weaving a blanket of light. We are weaving a basket to hold all that's true. One more time. We are weaving our lives. Thank you for weaving. We are weaving our hearts and our minds. We are weaving the bright and dark threads of our journeys through. We are weaving our lives right here. We are weaving our hearts and our minds. We are weaving a basket to hold all that's true, all that's true, all that's true. Thank you, Weaver. Thank you, Weaving. Thank you, Web. We are so grateful. We say yes again and anew to all the ways that you want wholeness, that we want wholeness, that we want connection, truth, beauty, love, justice, compassion, presence, peace, and possibility. Thank you. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.